Hello, everybody. Welcome to my discussion on fuel hedging. I'm here with one of my dearest friends and most treasured colleagues in the industry, Elaine Levin from Powerhouse. Hello, Elaine. Hello. How are you, Scott? Oh, we're good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. You doing good? Yeah. Good. Um, how you doing? So what's new? What's new in the markets? <laughs> oh, just a storm or two. <laughs> just a few things. So what That's I want to talk about today, Elaine, so you and I, how long, how far back do we go? We go back to 93, 94, I'm going to say. About there, about there, when we were both 10 years old. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. So um, we've done many classes together and you've been an incredible asset to me in my career and in, in helping people learn how to buy fuel. So I've primarily dealt with people who need to figure out how to buy their physical fuel. And you and I have taught classes together uh, specifically on hedging. So what I'd like to talk about today is hedging, risk management, try to dispel some of the myths, try to have you in a pretty short period of time kind of tell us why it's so important. So, you know, explain to us and for the folks that are that are watching that are probably end users that buy a large amount of fuel, why, why is hedging so important? Well, hedging is so important because for most of the people who are watching this presentation, it's my guess that fuel is one of your top two expenses. It's fuel and labor. And as we look back on 2021, both of those costs have done nothing but go higher. Hedging is a mechanism that allows you to take control of your budgets and allows you to have an offset that if prices go higher, you have you have your fuel costs under control. I always like to think of it as ensuring your your fuel budget. You know, we never know what fuel costs are going to do. They could go higher, they could go lower. But if you know what your worst case cost is, uh, you're in a much better situation than somebody that just always has to buy at the spot market. Right. So, you know, and you and I have seen this many times in the classes that we've taught that when you start talking about hedging, people kind of go, ooh, you know, they get a little bit scared. Why? Why? How do you overcome that fear if you're a large fuel buyer? How do you overcome that? You know, you make a good point. <clears throat> there is this idea that in getting involved with risk management, which is typically using futures or options on futures or in the over-the-counter, the swaps market, these are financial instruments. And people have this idea that somehow it's speculation when it really couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we're here, uh, both Scott and I are based in the DC area. And so we talk about conservative and liberals all the time. And one of the things I always say is that when you look at the most conservative companies, they are aggressive hedgers. Why? Because it's conservative. The word conservative means to keep and they want to keep their profit margins no matter what Mother Nature or OPEC or you, know, you name it deals them. So conservative companies hedge. Really, if you're leaving your fuel buy up to chance, well, isn't that speculative? So it it's funny because the instruments themselves can be used for speculation, but that's not how we deploy them for a hedger. We are using these to offset a true risk that can have a major impact on their bottom line. Right. So if my fuel, my actual raw fuel costs go up, 
what should happen is that through my futures account, which is a commodities account, I'll be hedged correctly so that money will flow into that account, which offsets the difference in the base price. Is that kind of the way to That's look at correct. it? That's correct. That's correct. You know, with okay. for end users, we use a instrument called a call off option a lot mm -hmm. of times. It's nice because just like an insurance policy on your truck, you think of it as similar to an insurance policy on your fuel budget. So think about this. If, you know, I got into an accident on my way home from work and God forbid totaled my car and I go to the insurance agency, the insurance company is not going to give me a new car. They're going to give me a check to go out and buy a new car that wherever I want at the best price possible. Hedging is the exact same thing. If prices go up and your hedging instrument has a payoff, we're not going to give you fuel. Your hedging account will give you the money to go out and buy that now higher cost fuel the best you can in the marketplace. Okay. So, and a lot of times people ask this question or they say, I'm too small to hedge. You know, my I don't buy enough fuel. I mean, do you... What do you say to people like that? I mean, is there a threshold with people? Really, the if you're going to use a futures contract, which is on exchange, those run in 42,000 gallon increments. Now, if 42,000 gallons in any given month is too large, there are over-the-counter or swap positions that will allow you to hedge you know, down to 50 gallons if that's what you really okay. needed. Okay. So walk us, if you could, walk us through a, an example of how somebody would initiate setting up a, a hedging program. So let's say that I'm somebody that has 20 trucks and I buy, I don't know, 7 million gallons of fuel a year. Um, walk us through what, what you would suggest the process would be for somebody like that. Sure. I mean, first, of course, you need to have a futures account set up because this is not something that you can just uh, put futures contracts under your mattress. And you want to spend some time on the education and finding a good broker partner to work with. I always laugh and say there's only one in America and you're talking to them. <laughs> but once you have those, those basics set up, then what we do is we look at what your usage would be per month. Is there any seasonal aspect to it? Then management will have a decision to make. Are you going to hedge 25, 50, 75, 100%? We work with end user fleets that do all of the above. We have some that will routinely say, I want to be 50% hedged. We have others who may have a specific um, contract that they are on the hook if prices go up. For example, maybe there's no uh, fuel escalation surcharge. So those, they're going to hedge 100% of those gallons. But once we decide the volumes, then the next question is, how close to the money do you want your, your, your call option to be? Because that's normally the, the hedging instrument that we're going to use. So think about that in the insurance analogy, like the deductible. Do I want to buy a hedging instrument that will kick in right away? Or am I willing to self-insure for the first 
nickel, dime, whatever. Once we decide at what price level you want to hedge and what volumes, then it's up to us to go out into the market and find somebody who's willing to sell those, uh, the, to sell the options to the hedger. If we're in the futures markets, that's easy. There are bids and offers that we can find in a big, robust market. Once we get an indication of what it will cost, we then go back to the, the end user and say, here's what your hedge will cost. How does this sound? If they say, sounds great. We then go ahead and execute the trade in the market on their behalf. Most hedgers use a monthly average settlement instrument because they're burning fuel rateably throughout the month. So once that's in place, it pretty much goes on autopilot. It's not like you have to sit in front of a screen going buy, sell like you see in the movies. The hedge is in place and the instruments automatically will cash out. And if there's value because the market's gone up above your strike at the end of the month, there'll be money in your account to use to offset your higher cost of your fuel bill. And if prices fall apart, you get to say thank you because you bought some insurance you didn't need. It's the equivalent right, of not so having an accident. Right. So it's like your car insurance. I mean, you pay the premium every year and you pray to God, please don't ever let me have to call my insurance agent. And you just kind of look at that as well as a cost of doing business to make sure that I have this in place. It's kind of the same thing, right? Exactly. And we work with end users of all size from from family businesses who may have a smaller budget all the way up to publicly traded companies. And the most successful hedgers are the ones who don't, A, pray they have a payoff on their hedging instruments because most people are not 100% hedged at all times. So you're kind of rooting against yourself if you think about it. And then the other thing is the most successful hedgers are those who hedge regularly and routinely. Now, when prices fell back in 2020 with the pandemic, we saw people who had not hedged before come into the market. And those who hedge probably hedge more than they ever had in their time, uh, you know, in the markets. So you know, you're not hedging in a vacuum. But the idea that you're going to outsmart these markets, you know, if you and I knew where oil prices were going, we'd be sitting on our yachts having this conversation with a cocktail in our hand. I'm going and there. I notice, and I notice I've got iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, right? I've got a Diet Coke here. So there you go. <laughs> so. Okay. So, all right. So, you know, one of the things that people always ask me about this is, Okay, so a lot of times with, with end users, they're a small fuel shop, right? Maybe maybe one person and they have a backup. So you know, with the physical side, we tell them sometimes not to make the physical formulas too complicated because somebody has to do it when you're not there. So do you have any suggestions for somebody that has a relatively small fuel shop, fuel buying group on, on how, to, how to kick this into place? What's the best way to do it? Well, I mean, with all these things, the best way to learn it is to do it. But, you know, you're not just going to run off and, and place a trade. So the first thing that we we always encourage is get some education. Now, Powerhouse teaches a hedging class and we do it twice a year. 
and we have companies of all sizes and everyone throughout the fuel chain come to those classes. And I'll give you an interesting story. One of the classes that we did here in DC was mostly people who sell fuel, but we did have an end user in the class and it was a woman who bought the fuel for a construction company. And at the beginning of the class, I always ask, you know, why are you in the, why are you taking this class? And she said, because I'm in a thankless job. And this is the case for a lot of end users, the person who actually has to try, pull the trigger and buy that fuel. Now, if your job is to buy fuel, management says when prices go up, well, why didn't you know that prices were going up? Why didn't you buy it already? And if you buy and prices fall, they say, well, you know, didn't you know prices were going to go down? It goes back to my <laughs> saying that nobody knows where the price of fuel is going to go. So if they get it right, management says they're doing their job. But more than not, they're saying, why didn't you know where the markets are going? So when we talked about the option and how, which is really a price cap, the end user knows what their worst case fuel price is, but they could beat their budget. When she learned about this, she looked at all the fuel sellers in the room and said, why didn't anybody tell me about this? The good news is you do not have to rely on your physical fuel sellers. You can do it yourself. But I'd start with education and I'd also find a good partner who can explain these instruments, hold your hand and make sure that you're doing it. And that, that's Right. So one of the things that I've told people in my 40 years in the oil industry, providing price discovery and educating people is this is a relationship, relationship based business. It's very much about relationships. Right. So you have a relationship with your physical supplier and you can talk to them. You can pick the phone up. It's not like buying something from Amazon. Right. You want to have that. You want to feel comfortable with the person that you're engaging to do this. And that's why people use you a lot. Well, thank you. They do. Yeah. And these instruments can be scary. It can be a lot of money. If you deploy them incorrectly, you know, you can lose money. Um, So it's our job to hold the customer's hand, make sure they're doing exactly what they want. There's another way you can do this where you lock in a price using a financial instrument, but there's cash flows behind it. And the question we always start is, going back to the woman who bought for the construction company. What will management say if you lock in your fuel budget and you're wrong? So if, if management can live with that, that's one thing. But most people don't, don't want that. They want to have the ability to know a budget or beat their budget. Right. So you want to share, you want to participate in the market's downside if the market goes, if prices fall lower, right? Yeah, because you're always competing against other companies who may or may not be as hedged as you are. So, but I have to tell you, when you hit a period like we've had this year, where prices have done nothing for the most part, but move higher, having those hedges really puts you in a great spot. You know, you have a wonderful choice to make. Do I want to be more competitive on price or do I want to expand my margin? Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to be in that position? Right, right. Well, you know, I I can say that in the time that you and I've worked together, we probably put well over a thousand people through your class, which was a two and a half day hedging class. I taught a physical class, you taught the hedging class. And 
you know, I know that the feedback was amazing and so many success stories from that. Tell me a little bit about your class that you're doing, because that's really interesting. Yeah, well, we have been doing this uh, for the last five years or so. It's in person. It normally runs two days. But given the state of the world, our next one coming up in November will be virtual. And so it's a lot of information, as everybody says, you know, there's so many aspects of fuel buying, you know, uh, you know, it's not like buying a pencil, the price changes minute by minute, the hedging instruments have their cash flow, you have to know how to read a statement, you have to understand how the hedging flows, or the hedging cash flows tie into your fuel buying. So what we've decided to do is make it two days, I'm sorry, four days, um, two hours per day. So two hours a day over four days in That's November. Great. That's great. So you can get back. You don't have to like be out of the office or be away. And especially if you're buying fuel, that's a big deal, right? You want, you don't want to be out of the office the whole time. So that's very that's correct that you do that. Okay. That's correct. And if you go to our website, um, powerhouse, and then you need a T as in Tom, L as in Larry. So powerhouse tl.com, you can get in touch with me and then we can send you information on the class. Um, we also will have an advertisement for the class up on the website. Okay, great. And what's your direct phone line, Elaine, in case somebody wants to reach out to you? It's 202-333-5380. Uh, so 202-333-5380. And hopefully if somebody needs to get in touch with me, you can also share my contact information. Right. And then at the end of this, uh, everybody that watches this will have my contact information. So if anyone wants to reach out to me, if they have questions first, I can then facilitate a meeting with Elaine. I'm happy to do that. Um, thank you so much for this. I, what we're talking about here is so huge. Um, and so important for fuel buyers. Um, you know, you brought up a good point. There's a lot of people that that segue into buying fuel, and you know, three months ago they were buying pencils and you know, paper cups or coffee, and those are you know, those are pretty set commodities. But right. fuel is really complicated. It's really, really complicated. And um, any way that you can help yourself protect your budget is is critical, especially if you buy a ton of fuel. That's right. And, you know, I think this week, you know, we're filming this right after Hurricane Ida just went through the Gulf of Mexico and we're seeing the aftermath. I mean, it could have been a, a lot worse as far as damage to refineries, but we're still living with flooding and the aftermath of power outages and the like. But it just shows you that there are so many uncertainties that can impact your bottom line. You know, who would have thought we were going to go through a global pandemic? Who, who knew that you know OPEC would cut production at certain times? You know, there's so many things that can send your fuel budgets into disarray, and it's amazing how many people that I meet who, who do have to budget for fuel, and I say, well, what do you do to actually lock in that budget? And hope and pray is not a hedging strategy. So what we want to do is try to get that uh, in a way that if something bad happens and prices go higher, or something great happens and prices go higher, that your fuel budget is known and protected. Well, 
you are so wise <laughs> and such a good friend and so knowledgeable and truly one of the smartest people that I've met in my career. And I don't think there's anybody that can explain this complicated subject matter better than you. So thank you. Thank you again so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I hope to see uh, people who are watching this, please come in November. It's, and, and I make it fun, I promise. You, <laughs> you do. won't be bored. You, you won't be bored. There's so, a lot of jokes. There's a lot of jokes. <laughs> come for the comedy, stay for the hedging. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much, Elaine. Okay. Thank you, okay, Scott. Bye-bye.